If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed hour number two of the Bob France Authority underway now at nine minutes past 10 o'clock on AM 1420. The answer. Thanks for joining us on this Friday. I will once again refrain from calling it a free for all Friday for the obvious reasons. Uh, we are loaded with guests today. Not a lot of chance of, chances for you to call with your free for all thoughts, but it is the 12th morning of the month of October in the year of our Lord 2018 and we are closer than ever. Obviously, each day that goes by becomes more and more urgent uh, for November 6th, and I still say we should not wait until November 6th. Get out there and vote right now, especially if you're a Republican who is feeding on the fury that we all felt um, after the unconscionable sleaze attack against um, Brett Kavanaugh and against all conservatives who supported his confirmation to the Supreme Court. So get out there and vote right now. I'm going to say this each and every day between now and November 6th. Go to your local board of elections and cast your vote early where it will be easier and yes where you will be more motivated now than ever before to do so now speaking of all that i'm in the mood to hear a campaign ad i wonder if we have any standing from my father fleeing castro's tyranny to me playing for the buckeyes then building a successful business my family is thankful to have lived the american dream grit tenacity hard work that's how we succeeded and those are the values northeast ohio families live by every day I'm running for Congress to preserve the American dream, strengthening manufacturing, improving our education system, preparing Ohio families for next-generation jobs. We can do it. I'm Anthony Gonzalez, and I approve this message. Now, that was indeed an outstanding campaign ad. I appreciate the fact that that was ready. And like, what well, not this a coincidence? Look at who I've got on line number one right now. Anthony Gonzalez, Republican candidate for Ohio District 16. Uh, Anthony, good to have you back on the air here on AM 1420. The answer, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Great to be it- here. It's a good ad, man. I like that. Uh, you know, it's uh, it, it 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 plays well on the radio because uh, you know very well articulated. But I love the video. I love the B roll, and uh, the I even love the touchdown catch that you included in the beginning. For those who remember you as a Buckeye receiver, <laughs> yeah, you know it's uh, it's an important part of my story, and we we try to you try to jam your you know as much as you can into a thirty second ad, and <laughs> uh, you know the seminal moments of my life are. Kind of my my grandparents fleeing the Castro regime, and then obviously my time uh, with the Buckeyes, and and then fighting for jobs and in, in uh, a better Northeast Ohio. So uh, I was pleased with how it turns out. Sometimes those 
those ads can can make you feel a little corny, but I I, uh, I did like that one. Well, you know, I mean, first of all, you could have included uh, an Ignatius touchdown catch in there too, and I wouldn't have complained. That would have been fun, but uh, <laughs> but but no, I mean, you know, we we joke about that somewhat, Anthony. But you, you, the whole theme of your ad is is the American dream. This is a part of the American dream. Your family, you know, escaping from the you know the horrific uh, uh, human rights oppressive uh, you know nation that they did, and your family coming to the United States and 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 achieving exactly that: high school football, playing college for the greatest university. University in America, college ball, going to the National Football League. Now, after that uh, part of your career, choosing to serve and to try to help your fellow, um, you know, Ohioans and the and the and the uh, citizens and residents of of District 16. That is the American dream, man. And I think it's a great story to tell. You could have added, like you said, it's hard to pick and choose in 30 seconds what you can fit. But those are important parts of the story. It really is exactly that. It's what people dream of coming to this country and doing. No, thank you. And I, you know, you're 100% right. I, when I heard the, the lead in to, from the commercial break in the Ronald Reagan speech, I mean, that's, that's why we came. Uh, you know, my, my grandparents, uh, they could have gone, they were from Cuba, but they originally were from Spain. They could have gone to a lot of different countries. They came to the United States because of who we are as a people, because of our constitution, because of the freedoms that we hold dear in our hearts, but also because this is the land of opportunity. And it's, nothing's guaranteed here but uh but this is still the greatest country on earth and it always will be uh, and it's because of our heritage and who we are um as a people and and so that's you know we've been honored in my family to uh to to live the american dream to the fullest uh and and like you said a big part of why i want to do this is uh, i want to make sure that every man woman and child in the state of ohio has those same opportunities and that that american dream that that we all believe in so deeply uh, is available for everybody. Anthony Gonzalez is my guest. He is the Republican candidate in the uh, race in the 16th congressional district. Uh, he's opposing uh, or opposed by Susan Palmer, the Democrat, in this general election. Of course, this is Jim Renacci's seat right now, and of course, he's uh, giving that up as he runs for the Senate side. Yeah, let me ask you this about just a couple of issues, Anthony. Um, you know, we're talking about your story and your grandparents coming to this country and giving you and uh, you know your family the opportunity to pursue this dream. It, it naturally brings to mind the immigration issues that face this country where are you uh, as a descendant of cubans and and as a cuban american uh where are you and i don't even know if you do the hyphenated thing you're just an american but uh you know your background is important because you are you know, from an immigrant family as are so many millions but there is legal immigration the way your grandparents did it and there is illegal immigration which is causing uh, a lot of controversy and quite frankly a lot of problems and it's costing an awful lot of money to the american taxpayer as well so um you know as a you know descendant of legal immigrants uh escaping castro's cuba where are you on border walls and uh and sovereignty and chain migration and the like you know i i have been in in the same place for a long time which is um you know i think the the State of the Union, where President Trump kind of articulated his four pillars, if you will, um, I thought were, were spot on. Uh, and as a reminder, uh, those four pillars were border security in the form of a, a physical wall. Uh, I would support that. Uh, two, the end of chain migration. Three, a merit-based system. Now let's talk about merit, right? To me, merit means you're going to serve our national security interests and our economic interests. You know, if it, if we, we are welcoming people. This is the greatest country on earth. Um, but we want to make sure that everybody who's who's coming here is, is the right kind of person, um, and so uh, you know we want to, and we want to welcome that, right? Um, and then uh, what was the final pillar there? So end of chain. Oh, uh, merit based, 
border wall, end of chain migration, uh, and the, and then I think the, the other one was DACA, wasn't it? Program. Oh yeah, DACA and a and a, yeah. uh, a legislative solution for DACA. So I would oppose that. I'm I'm not an amnesty guy. I I think you know the goal should be uh, for everybody to go through the system, just the same system, uh, so that we know uh, who everybody is. But um, but again, the the four pillars that that he articulated, um, I, I'm supportive of. So when it comes to the the funding for this, you know, we all know that the president, when he campaigned back in 2015 uh, and 2016, he talked about having Mexico pay for the wall. And, of course, we have now reworked NAFTA, and maybe that that is going to partially happen because of, you know, uh, bigger benefits to the United States uh, from from our trade with with Mexico. So, you know, in a, a lot of different ways, as the president said, to make Mexico pay, so to speak. But be that as it may, in order to get the construction started and get everything off the ground, we need we need funding. And quite frankly, the House uh, has not come through. Uh, they did propose a $5 billion um, um, uh, part of the budget for a border wall. Uh, the Senate knocked that down to $1.6 billion. It's estimated that it's going to take close to $25 billion. So if you get into Congress, um, are, you, you know, are you prepared to vote for what it takes to build that wall since it's part of the four pillars you do support? I would, yeah, and I think you know this is where, um, candidly, I mean, look, let's be realistic. This is going to be a, a battle. I mean, there's no two ways about it. I would say that these are the pillars I believe in, um, but this is going to require a negotiated solution. There is no way that uh, you know we just get carte blanche everything we want. Um, and this is exactly why we have the president that we do, and why we elected him uh, is because of his ability to lead and to negotiate on on some of these really sticky issues, and. Um, you know, it's it, when you look around and see the things that have already happened, that gives me confidence with respect to um, his ability to, to lead us through that. Uh, we're talking to Anthony Gonzalez, who is the Republican candidate for District 16. Uh, and, uh, of course, he's, he would be replacing Congressman Jim Renacci in that regard. What was your... Um reaction to everything that this country was transfixed by for the last three to four weeks with respect to the con i know you wouldn't be in the senate of course but we, we all have right. a stake in this and and members of of the house were very outspoken as well in uh, in the way the senate democrats conducted themselves what was your reaction to all of that anthony well i think you know there's a a couple obvious ones right um i mean first uh I think everybody would agree, or I, I certainly believe that um, sexual violence is something that in our society uh, ha- does go unreported um, at times. Uh, so I think it's important that anybody who, who makes a claim is heard um, and that they have the opportunity to, to present their, their story and, and that we listen to that story and, and take it seriously. I think that's what we did um, in, in the Senate, and I think that was a good thing. Um, now, the tactics that were employed... Uh, by the Democratic Party to basically uh, intimidate, scare, cajole, do anything they could uh, to harass people into voting, and in Susan Collins' case, uh, bribe her into voting a certain yeah. a certain way. Um, I thought was was despicable, uh, to be honest. I mean, I think it was it was one of the nastiest things I've I've seen in my life um, because I, I think the whole design of that um, was was to do just that. It was just to intimidate people. Speaking of intimidation, this is your first foray into politics, right? Your first race? Yes. How do you feel about the business that you're trying to, or the industry, the political industry that you're trying to enter right now, when you see, Anthony, 
um, the type of rhetoric that we're seeing as as prominent leaders in the opposition party, you're a Republican, but prominent leaders call for intimidation, harassment, creating crowds, getting in the face of, making people feel unwelcome, screaming them out of restaurants, uh, screaming at them in elevators, um, attacking them, quite frankly. We've seen that, too, pounding on doors, disrupting lives. Um, you know, Eric Holder calling for uh, Republicans to be kicked. When they go low, we don't go high, we kick them. I, I, I know it might sound like, you know, it's just a lot of words, but there are a lot of nut jobs out there who are just waiting for their green light from one of their leaders to go and take action on those words, and we're starting to see that bear out. I mean, do you really want to get into politics right now when this is the political system in which we are living? Well, two things. So first off, this is uh, precisely the moment that we need good leadership, right? Like this, you get into this uh, in times like this intentionally because you see the direction that things are moving, and you know that it can't it can't carry on that way. Our country can't move forward uh, if this is how we're behaving, uh, and this is how tribal we've become. There's just no way we're going to be able to solve the really, really big problems that we all know we have. Um, and you can go on for days about that, but until we can find a way to disagree, agree to disagree, do it in a way that we've always done that's much more civil, I can get things done. And so to see that response uh, from an Eric Holder or a Hillary Clinton, um, again, I, I think it is exactly the wrong message uh, to be delivering at this time, and you're right. It, uh, it is designed primarily to give license to certain activities that uh, are, are just crazy. I mean, we can't do it. And, it, and what it highlights more than anything uh, is the need for Republicans, the people who are listening today, to get out and vote. You pushed early voting. I a thousand percent agree. Because if we don't win these elections, if we don't show up, then all we've done is embolden that. All we've done is reward that type of behavior. And so if we do not do our part and vote and support and knock doors and do all the things that we know we need to do to win an election, then we have just rewarded the very behavior that we know uh, is incredibly terrible for our country and our political environment that is that is the right word rewarding them and we cannot allow bad behavior to be rewarded because it encourages then more bad behavior instead of rewarding it there needs to be a punitive uh sanction here there needs to be punishment and and that's in the form of elections we need to vote against every single democratic tactic by voting for every single republican we can so that they realize okay now we know how not to do it we're not going to turn this into some sort of a, a a mob riot in every city in America in order to win elections. Now we know it doesn't work. That's why it's so important for people to get out and vote now while they're hearing the angry rhetoric from the left. Don't let this, uh, you know, three weeks go by and you kind of forget about it all by uh, uh, by November 6th. Get out there and do it now. Uh, Anthony, anything you want to say to your voters uh, in uh, District 16 before you go? Well, again, just uh, one, a big thank you for, for sending me through uh, the primary it would be my highest honor uh, to represent you in Congress. I believe deeply uh, in the American dream, the American values that we all hold near and dear to our hearts, that my family risked their lives for uh, escaping Cuba to come to this country. Um, and please, please, please do not let the rhetoric, the intimidation, the things that, that are designed to suppress our vote and keep you home, do not let that work. It cannot work. We have to go forward. We have to vote. We have to do everything we can to defeat what is we all know uh, is wrong for our country. So please get out and do your part, uh, and uh, we will we will do everything we can once in Congress 
from your lips to God's ears, and uh, and and to and to the ears and to the voting fingers of all of the uh, the voters listening to us right now. Uh, Anthony Gonzalez, candidate, Republican candidate, District 16, vote for him, elect him, make sure that we uh, keep that seat red. It's very very important. Anthony, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Maybe we can touch base again a few days before November 6 for those who don't do the early voting. Sound okay? That'd be great. Thanks for having me. Love to have you back. Thank you, Anthony. Anthony Gonzalez, candidate in District 16. We'll get a traffic. Come back on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 1029 now, the Bob France Authority continuing. Coming up after the news, let me set the table here for you, because this is a story that I first did and uh, discussed on uh, Wednesday when I read the op-ed in the John Carroll University student newspaper. It was an op-ed written by one of the newspaper's writers. Uh, His name is Declan Leary. He is a student, obviously, and uh, he wrote an article or an op-ed Condemning the drag show, the annual drag show, meaning as in drag queens, uh, you know, display that is being held at John Carroll. Apparently it's been held for several years now. He wrote an op-ed saying, are we or are we not a Catholic Jesuit university? In what way does this celebration of sexual deviancy comport with the tenets of the Catholic faith and the Jesuit uh, principles and ideals? This doesn't seem like something we should be involved in. Naturally, he was attacked by an overly progressive atmosphere uh, of students and probably faculty at John Carroll University. And so we're talking about where we are as a church, the Catholic Church, the Jesuits at universities and high schools as well, and whether or not conservative views like the one expressed by Declan Leary are tolerated at John Carroll. He'll join us next right here on AM 1420 The Answer. News, opinion, insight. This is AM 1420, The Answer. Um. There are two sides to every story. There's the mainstream media side, and then there's the truth. You are experiencing the truth. The Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Indeed it is. 10.34 now. The Bob France Authority continues on AM 1420. The answer. So it caught my eye on Wednesday uh, when I saw the story on Cleveland.com. John Carroll University student column argues against drag show incites free speech debate. Like, what in the world? What Drag show? They're, they're doing drag shows on campus? Isn't John Carroll a private university? Isn't it a private Catholic university? Isn't it a private... Jesuit University? Really? What what are we talking about here? Sure enough, op-ed editor Declan Leary's piece in the Carroll News calls the event a flagrant celebration of sexual perversity. Leary argues that the Jesuit school should embrace what he calls traditional Catholic values. What a wacky idea that is, right? Members of the school's LGBTQ community, already feeling isolated on campus, I don't know why, feel feel the column contained threatening and hostile language. Some critics are labeling the column hate speech. These critics, of course, would be known as modern progressives on a modern American campus. 
So I said, I'm going to have to read this for myself. And I did indeed read exactly that. Drag Queens and Jesuits, it was entitled uh, by Declan Leary in the Carol News. And I read every word, and I read it twice. And I still have yet to find a threatening word or a word of hostility. So maybe Declan Leary can shine some light on this himself. I invited him to join us on the program, and indeed, he said yes. Declan Leary, thank you so much for joining us here on AM 1420, The Answer. Appreciate you coming on, sir. How are you, young man? I'm good, Bob. Thanks for having me on the show. It's a pleasure to have you on. I really appreciate you getting back to me. It took some interesting uh, ways to track you down, but I'm glad I was able to reach you because um, this is a conversation that needs to be had, not just because of John Carroll, and I don't want anybody to think that we are specifically picking on John Carroll. This is something that is going on in campuses, quite frankly, around the country, where a conservative voice is um, is expressed and is heard and is immediately shouted down and condemned as hate speech by a largely progressive community. So let me ask you, you are, um, uh, Declan, you are class of 21, so that makes you what, a sophomore? Yes. Okay. Uh, so in your now year and a half roughly at John Carroll, can you describe the atmosphere? Is it, um, have you, have you noticed any, uh, we'll get to the specifics of your, your column in a moment, but, or your op-ed in a moment, but have you noticed some of what is going on at, at other schools at John Carroll as well, where if you have a conservative voice, it better doggone well be a quiet one, or else you're going to be, 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 um, uh, condemned as a, as a purveyor of hate speech? Yes, absolutely. And as I was quoted in that Cleveland.com article saying, up till this point, it was really a quiet consensus. There was no outright intimidation, but there was just this tacit understanding that if you didn't agree with what they were telling you, you had to stay silent. Um, and, you know, that's been kind of one of the excuses given by the people who've been attacking me over the past couple of weeks, that, well, there are no institutional blocks to you speaking your mind. We've never explicitly said that you're not supposed to do these things. Um, but there has absolutely always been this understanding, um, whether it has been explicitly expressed or not, that you have to stay quiet. And it's only in recent weeks now that this column has um, has really dug some of these things up and incited such an outrage that everything that was under the surface has come up and become a part of our public discussions. Declan, how long have you been writing for the Carroll News? Did you start as a freshman? I started at the end of last year. I wrote one column for the paper's last edition. And so and how many col- how many columns have you written altogether? I believe it would be 5 at this point. Anything or else eight. anything else uh, lead to controversy or or you know uh, uh discussions like the one we're talking about right now? Oh, everything. And I, uh, what were some of the that, topics? In, what were some of the topics in your other columns, Declan? Um, I've written about the estate tax, which was my first column, and that okay. is incited some outrage, which I think is important in kind of understanding this current conversation because the it's been painted as hate speech, and I'm attacking people's identity. But I got the same response when I was writing about the estate tax, and I don't think anyone felt their identity was being attacked over that. Um, I wrote about the school's new tobacco ban um, in opposition to the ban. I've written about the mock border wall that uh, was put up in two spots on our campus. And I've written this week about, um, actually about the responses and sort of the anti-intellectualism present in the way people approach the things that I write. 
Okay. Um, the reason I we're talking to Declan Leary, he's a sophomore at John Carroll University, and as you can hear, he writes for the Carroll News, and uh, he's come under fire from a lot of uh, the progressives on campus for his most recent column in the in the paper about the drag shows uh, that go on at uh, at John Carroll. The reason I asked you about all that is because I wanted to find out if you knew what you were in for when you wrote this column, if you knew that you were going to be in for a lot of criticism, that if you express an unpopular belief, in other words, something that's not progressive and extraordinarily left of center, if you knew what you were getting into. Because, as you pointed out, Declan, there may not be any specific... Uh, restrictions that stop you from writing or saying these things, but if you do say them out loud or if you do put them in print, meaning conservative ideals and ideology, it's just it's going to be an, an you know uh, 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 an unwritten kind of of um, uh, punishment that you face or censorship that you face. They're just going to make your life a living hell on campus. Uh, you know, have you experienced that since you started writing these columns that you knew people would disagree with? Yes, absolutely. Um, and I think the really the, what makes this column different is more than the subject of the column itself is that Cleveland.com article. And that's what's really uh, sparked this massive outrage and this massive controversy. I think it's important to uh, actually address how that article came to be written, because it was a John Carroll professor who reached out to that site asking them to report on what he considered my hate speech. Wow. And he gave them all sorts of information, all sorts of background, and then he refused to, to have his name published as the source. Well, you can, publi- really you can publish his name right now if you'd wish. What professor would do so? And you, it's your choice. Absolutely. Can you say that? It was, tell- a, it was a Mark Berardi, an associate professor in the philosophy department. So he went to John Carroll, or excuse me, to Cleveland.com to say, hey, there's a John Carroll professor in the philosophy department who went there and said, look what one of our students wrote in our paper. This is hate speech. I couldn't stop it here, but maybe you can find a way to stop it at Cleveland.com. Is that as essentially what this guy tried to do? Well, yes, but actually, I would argue that he never tried to stop it here. And that's really, I think, the core of the issue, because it's, it's intellectual and personal cowardice. He, I've never heard of Mark Berardi before he went to Cleveland.com. I've never met the man, which means not only did he bring the story to the news while he was missing vital information, but that he was unwilling to address me directly or even to come to the Carroll News, our newspaper, because it wasn't about understanding the stance or expressing his concern or addressing the issue on campus. It was about inciting public outrage, because he so, knew, and he was right, it happened, that getting the word out would cause a lot of angry people to try to shout me down. Fundamentally, it was about broadening the, broadening the campaign of intimidation against me, which was already being conducted in earnest on campus. Well, that, there you go. That's that's where I was going with this, because you're 100% right. And that's amazing, by the way. That's an interesting revelation that this professor did this and took this to Cleveland.com to, to increase and ramp up the intimidation and harassment uh, that you were already facing on campus. That is astounding to me. Now, uh, you, you know this for a fact. How? If he didn't attach his name to it, how do you know he's the one who went to Cleveland.com? Um, from one of our staff members at the Carroll News, has connections at cleveland.com and got the name directly from the reporter. So have you gone to the university administration with this? I have not. This can't be allowed, right? I mean, and I know you're a sophomore. You're not running the place there. But, I mean, I would have to think that this can't be normal. This can't be allowed by the university to have a faculty member 
a professor in good standing at the university going to an outside media agency in order to drum up harassment and intimidation of one of the students at the school. I can't imagine that's okay with the with the university. Yeah, I um, I haven't reached out to the administration in part because I know the administration's not on my side, but I actually have some meetings scheduled with some administrators um, because they they they're requiring me to meet with them. So I, that's certainly something I can bring up. The uh, official statement from the university spokeswoman about this column said, quote, John Carroll University fosters a campus community where differing points of view and experiences are valued as part of the learning process. We support open dialogue and are committed to inclusion and diversity as essential elements of our Jesuit and Catholic identity. In order for our community to thrive, we expect that all members represent and conduct themselves according to our mission and values. The columns in the Carroll News started as a written point and counterpoint amongst editors and evolved into a larger conversation. They're calling it a conversation. Across campus, we encourage respectful dialogue and communication on these cultural and societal issues and other campus resources and programming to support those efforts. That that's a pretty that's a pretty benign statement, in my opinion. Uh, they are saying you have a right to express your point of view because they 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 encourage differing points of view. But by by having one of the faculty, the professor that you're talking about, going to an outside media agency, knowing full well that it's going to lead to intimidation and harassment. Even if they're not on your side, Declan, I feel like you would have a case to make before them saying you are not encouraging the um, the respectful exchange of ideas and different points of view. Because look what uh, look what the university is doing to me. Yes, I certainly agree. Uh, it, is this something you plan to do? Um, well, really, the the biggest thing that I'm doing is just continuing to write. Um, because all of these efforts have been aimed at uh, at silencing me, at shouting me down. Um, okay, I, I get it. So. I get it. And, and you don't want you don't want to make those kinds of waves. You want to continue to write and make your point. That that's fair. I get it. Yeah, I understand your apprehension. Give me that professor's name again, please. Uh, Mark Berardi. How are we spelling Berardi? B e r a r d i. Okay, and he's a professor of philosophy. Yes. All right, I'm going to find his contact information, and I'm going to call him out, and I'm going to ask all of the listeners who are within the sound of our voices right now to maybe contact the university faculty or administration, the president, board of trustees, whoever is in charge, uh, on your behalf, because they can't do that. He can't do what he did, and, and because he doesn't like your point of view, go to a public forum like cleveland.com in order to bring more pressure upon you, calling your words hate speech, calling your words hostile, calling your words threatening, because that's what uh, it, it was printed in the cleveland.com piece. I'm still looking for a threat in your column. So let's talk about the specifics of the column now, uh, dr- of uh, drag queens and, and Jesuits. Uh, tell me about the history of this as you understand it and why you have a problem with it, Declan. All right. So the, the drag show has been going on for six years now, and it's sponsored by the um, LGBTQ plus allies group on campus and by the Center for Student Diversity and Inclusion, um, which is like the intersectionality office of John Carroll. Mm-hmm. And uh, I first noticed it as I wrote in the article last year when I came here as a freshman. And I didn't really have the voice to talk about it then, but I sort of expressed my discomfort to some friends of mine and to some priests I knew. And I saw that there was some sympathy, but nobody was willing to speak out about it. So this year, 
now that I have this voice that people like me at John Carroll don't have or haven't had up to this point, really. I decided that I had to speak out about it. Um, and, of course, there's some strong language in there, and I stand by all the strong language, because at its core, it's about the necessity of staying true to the Catholic character, which is intended to be at the core of the institution. Um, you, uh, you come from a Catholic family, a Jesuit family. Uh, I know you said you went to a Jesuit high school, right? Yes, I did. I did go to a Jesuit high school, but I come from a, a relatively traditional Catholic family. Okay, so you're from um, Plymouth, Plymouth, Massachusetts. Is uh, well, it's Massachusetts. It's very, it's blue as blue gets. It's very very liberal. Um, you, do you come from a conservative family? Yes, I do. How did your parents react to what's going on to you? Because uh, you know, it's interesting, you wrote in your piece that uh, you know when you chose John Carroll uh, to, to attend college, they were like, what? Where's that? They had no idea what it is. Uh, now that they do know, and you're in your sophomore year, and you've got a lot of time left at a, well, what could be a very hostile environment if you continue to express your conservative views in the way that you are. How do they feel about that? Um, I'm surprised, certainly. I went to, like you said, I went to a Jesuit high school in Boston as well, and um, I was the editor-in-chief of the school newspaper there, and I sort of came under similar fire for a lot of my beliefs, um, a lot on LGBTQ issues, a lot on right-to-life issues. I was the founder and president of a, a right-to-life group there, which was constantly attacked by the high school administration. Mm-hmm. Um, so they... They kind of expected this to happen when I came to college, and they know I can handle it, and they know this is something that I'm going to do. I actually got a message from a family member last night uh, asking, saying she'd read my columns, she read the news coverage, and asking if I was going to leave. And I said, of course not. To leave would just be to give the people who are trying to shout me down exactly what they want at a time when I'm in a position to make some real change and give a voice to people who feel like they don't have a voice here. How many people uh, like you are there? Uh, do you have a close circle of conservative friends that you can kind of talk with and you know draw strength and support from one another over? Or Exactly how isolated are you? I have a close circle, certainly, but I would argue that it's at least half of the university. And um, in addition to all of the hate, that I've seen online these past few days, my inbox has been flooded with messages of support from students, current students who are unwilling to speak up, from alumni, um, mostly recent alumni actually, um, from I'd say within the past 15 years or so, who say that they saw the same things happening while they were here and they were unwilling to speak up, um, and from other members of the community around John Carroll that all of this seems to indicate to me that it's sort of a silent majority situation, as a couple of the people have actually said explicitly in their letters, that you know we're here. We're a part of this community that needs to be addressed. We're an entire group of people who think the same way, or at least think similarly, and we're being silenced, but that doesn't mean we don't exist. 
You got a lot of courage, uh, Declan. You really do. And uh, the small circle that are willing to to be vocal about this that you run in, they have a lot of courage as well. Because I get it, and it's amazing to me if you believe that half of the campus, roughly, actually feels the same way you do, but they're afraid to say anything because they're going to get shouted down. You're seeing it on a larger scale right now. You know, for example, yesterday Kanye West, who you know used to be you know the darling of the left as one of the um, uh, you know uh, more liberal entertainers, he's got a very big voice. He's got a lot of people who follow him. A lot of people listen to him. Suddenly, he's a Donald Trump fan, and they are attacking him. They're attacking his mental health. They're attacking his his uh, his race. They're suggesting that he's a race traitor, and so on and so forth. You can see why people remain silent because they know that if they come out and actually support conservative ideals in non-conservative areas, they're going to be attacked. So you got a lot of guts. You're uh, you're prepared to to fight this fight for the next two and a half years of your college career. Oh, absolutely. I don't know if John Carroll's prepared. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Listen, I'm, I, I, I get it. I, you know, I asked if you would go to the administration about this professor, and you said you don't want to. You're just going to continue to write. Good for you. I get that. Fight your fight in the way you think it's best to win it. But I am going to continue to encourage everyone listening right now to contact Mark Berardi, the professor of philosophy who tried to drum up this uh, hate campaign against this student at John Carroll who simply is writing about the school, embracing and returning to its theological roots as a Catholic Jesuit institution and turn away from some of these progressive uh, ideals uh, reflected in things like this drag show. Uh, contact Mark Berardi. I'll get you an email address as soon as I can. And contact the university officials as well to tell them this cannot be done and sanctions against that professor should be the first order of business. Declan, I'm going to keep reading the Carol News. Uh, are you on Twitter or anywhere else? Promote your social. Get, to, get your name out there a little more. Uh, yes, I am. My Twitter account is very simple. It's just at Declan Leary. And I'll share pretty much all of my columns um, through that Twitter account if any of your listeners want to read. I just found you, and I am following you, and I am going to absolutely make sure that uh, I stay up on what you're writing about. And if need be, uh, you know, if you're willing to come back on, we'll bring you on and, and continue to talk about this. Because you're right. You know, it's hard for that silent majority of conservative voices, Catholic voices, traditional Jesuit voices and whatnot. It's, it's hard for them to, to make their feelings known. So if you can kind of be the Pied Piper that helps, helps lead that, we'll help you along as well. Thank you very much, Bob. Declan, thank you. Uh, God bless. Your parents did an outstanding job. Uh, you got a lot of guts and a lot of courage standing in what you believe in. So uh, credit to them and credit to you, and uh, and thanks very much for the time. That's Declan Leary, uh, sophomore at John Carroll University, writing and doing big things, and uh, he needs support. I intend to give it to him. We're back after this. Well, that is just about going to wrap it up for uh, this edition of the Bob France Authority. Uh, I, I just tweeted it. I tweeted a link to the Cleveland.com story. His actual uh, article uh, for the uh, Carroll News is included in that. Um, and I'm calling on all conservatives on Twitter, all conservatives, especially those concerned with rampant liberalism on campuses and the censorship of free thought, the censorship of conservative ideology on college campuses. Follow this young man, Declan Leary. Uh, Declan is D-E-C-L-A-N. Declan 
Leary is his name, and I'm sending this to Larry Elder, to Hugh Hewitt, to Dennis Prager, to Mike Gallagher, to uh, Michelle Malkin, to uh, uh, to Daniel Horowitz, to all of the prominent conservatives that I can think of, uh, because I want people to follow this young man. He's willing to undertake a fight that he knows is going to be uphill from the very beginning, from Jump Street. He's going to try to express conservative ideals and thoughts, Catholic and Jesuit ideals and tenets being supported at a Catholic Jesuit university, and he knows he's going to be beaten down for it. He knows he is going to be harassed and intimidated over it, and that he's willing to do it. I loved his answer. I said, are you ready to, to deal with this, this, uh, this fight and this, um, uh, you know, this harassment and so on and so forth for the next two and a half years of your college career? And he said, yes, I am. I just don't know if John Carroll's ready for that fight. That is outstanding. So John Carroll University, um, get ready. Get ready because Declan Leary and his supporters are coming. I count myself among them, and I'm going to continue to try to drum up support for him. And I would advise this, too. I know there are listeners who are John Carroll alums. Uh, I heard from several of them after I uh, first did this story on Wednesday, and they wrote letters to the university, including the president of the university. Talk to the university. Talk to the president about Professor Berardi because he cannot be allowed to do this to students. Mike Gallagher's next. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday. Enjoy the silence.